16 today. We're in a series on Acts, going through the book of Acts, and we're around chapter 13 right now. Thus, our text is 13.1, which speaks about the church in Antioch that had prophets and teachers. And I thought it would be good, I prayed, trust that this is from the Lord, to take some time to talk about the whole issue of prophets and prophecy. And I said last week that this is kind of that weird uncle for us. Uh, The idea of prophecy, this gift of prophecy, can be like the weird uncle that we hope doesn't come down from the attic at the wrong time uh, to embarrass us and drive our friends away. It always feels like that because the gift of prophecy and and, uh, some of the other gifts seem somewhat unusual. They are supernatural in a very explicit way, and it can feel like the weird uncle. But in Scripture, uh, the treatment of this gift is never like the weird uncle. It's always as a treasured member of the family. And so what the objective of this little mini-series has been is to change our understanding of that weird uncle, uh, to get him down from the attic and begin to learn that, well, he's not really weird, and then to kind of, in our minds at least, transform that weird uncle, uh, get him a haircut, get him a new set of clothes, have him start living down in the house, not up in the attic, and learn to have him as part of the family. So today's message is the third in the three-part series. We looked at, first, what is New Testament prophecy? And we learned that New Testament prophecy is the speaking, uh, it's a speaking of a, a non-canonical speaking of a revelation from God, a non-canonical speaking of a revelation from God. What we mean by non-canonical, it's not the words of God, not the very words of God, not even necessarily the words of God at all, but our words. It's us speaking a revelation, an impression, something that God moves in our hearts. And we talked about that. We talked about that being normal Christianity to have God speak to us, reveal truth to us. We see it in John 10 and elsewhere. We spent a lot of time on that in that message. And and if you weren't here for that, I uh, encourage you to get a copy of the CD or go online. It's available. And then last week we talked about why prophecy. Why use this gift? Why is it important? And we learned that this gift is to edify, encourage, and console. Three wonderful functions, three things that we need. We need individually, we need as a church. We need to be edified, we need to be built up into God, into the gospel, the truth of Jesus Christ and the life that we have in him. We need to be edified, we need to be encouraged, we need to have strength given to us because there's times when we grow weak, times when we grow weary. And we need to be consoled. There's times when life is hard and we need the truth of God to comfort us. And this gift is meant to do all those three things uh, that really go together, edify, encourage, and console. We learned also that prophecy is a way that God manifests his presence among his people, that he manifests his presence among his people through this gift. He visits us, he speaks to us. And that's a wonderful thing. It's a sign of the presence of God, the blessing of God on his people, to be hearing from him, to be experiencing the gift of New Testament prophecy. And then we learned that as he does that, God uses it to draw those who don't know him to himself, as he shows that indeed this is God, as the secrets of their hearts are revealed, as God uses the gift. So we talked about that last week. Well, this week I want to talk about how to do prophecy. How do we do it? What does it look like? What are the, what are the key principles and the key methods of doing this? A little different than a normal message, but I felt like uh, it would be helpful for us to talk through this 
and learn how to do this gift so that we might grow in actually actually doing it, not just understanding it, and that's important, that, that's a necessary beginning, but applying it as well. So we're going to be looking at uh, 1 Corinthians 14 this morning and, and springing off this, this text where Paul instructs the Corinthians on the use of the gift. I'll be referencing this particular passage uh, and, and others as well, but learning from this instruction here. But before we do that, let's stop and pray and ask God to speak to us because uh, as I talked to someone this morning, I've, I've prepared and done this work and, and, and if God does not come and speak through the preaching of his word, uh, it's really just going to be information that may or may not be beneficial. I don't want to just provide information. I want us to hear from God. And I know desperately that I need him, and I think we all do. So let's ask him. He's gracious to answer such prayers. So let's ask. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that you've given us your word, the Bible, and they are, the Bible is your very words. And through them, Lord, you speak to us and guide us and teach us and lead us and sanctify us and use us. Thank you for your word that does all these wonderful things. It's your word. It's you speaking. So come, Holy Spirit, and open up our minds and our hearts and speak to us to hear from you. Teach us about New Testament prophecy, Lord, that we might understand and we might start to walk in it, Lord. We, we love the benefits we see through this gift, and you want this gift to function in your church. So teach us, lead us, and use us, we pray. And be glorified in it all, Lord. We love you, and we're learning to love you more and more, and we're so glad for what you're doing. So do all these things and more for your glory. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Chapter 14, verses 26 through 33, I'll read. And just to give you a context, again, Paul is addressing this church in Corinth that um, has misused, misunderstood and misused some of the gifts, and he's pointing them away from the improper use of tongues to the proper use of public gifts, and in particular calling them to use the gift of prophecy. He says in chapter 14, verse 1, pursue love. Let's just spend a whole chapter talking about pursuing love. Pursuing love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy, he says. And then later on he says, as he concludes his argument in this section, this discussion, he says in verse 26, What then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. If any speak in a tongue, let there be only two or at most three, and each in turn, and let someone interpret. But if there is no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in church and speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak, and let the others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent. For you can all prophesy one by one, so that all may learn and all be encouraged. And the spirits of prophets are subject to prophets. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. 1 Corinthians 14, 26 through 33. We'll be looking at this passage a little more and learning from it, learning about how to use this gift. It's, it's wonderful that Paul actually gets fairly specific in this section 
about how to practice the gift. And so we can learn from that. We can learn some principles from it. And what I want to do this morning is, is do my best, by God's grace, to equip us to practice this gift. And so what I want to talk about, I want to talk about five different things. I think they're on your notes, uh, in your bulletin, uh, five points. Usually a message uh, shouldn't have five points because it can be too much, but, but five points, I think, helps us understand how to use this gift, and it fits into an acronym called EDIFY, E-D-I-F-Y, EDIFY. Uh, and and I, um, I do this just because I want you to have a handy tool to remember the practice of the gift of prophecy. So we're going to talk about these different letters, what they stand for from this passage and some others. First, the E, to eagerly and expectantly, eagerly and expectantly serve in the gifts, in the gift of prophecy. D, to discern the voice of the Holy Spirit. I, to invite evaluation. F, to find scriptures and helpful words to communicate. And Y, to yield it all to God, to edify. This, this outlines, uh, to I think a fairly good extent, how we practice this gift. So let's, let's begin first with E, for eagerly and expectantly serve. Eagerly and expectantly come to be with God's people, anticipating... God using us. It's, it's interesting in the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, there's a major theme in it. And if we're not careful, we would overlook it. And that is the major theme that God dwells amongst his people. God dwells amongst his people. He, he dwells with us. That he is a God who, who dwells with us, who is present with us. And that's an amazing Amazing, amazing privilege that we don't want to take for granted. That God is with us. And God is with us and He wants to work in us and through us. That God has chosen to reveal His glory in all its fullness in and through the church and in and through local churches like this one. That's amazing. The infinite God of the universe, the, the all-glorious one, the universe itself cannot contain him in all his glory, in all his infinite qualities, in his love, in his holiness, in his power, in his wisdom, in his justice. All these qualities cannot be contained in his creation, and he chooses to manifest all that glory in and through the local church and through churches and the church as a whole. That's an amazing truth. God is committed to that. And so when we gather on Sundays, when we gather in small groups, when we gather two or three in His presence, this infinite God is with us and He's with us to work His plan. Paul establishes that at the beginning of the letter in Corinthians and assumes that throughout the letter and actually commends the Corinthians for being an example of spiritual gifts, of people that walk in the gifts of the Spirit. God wants to work in and through His church. He dwells in His church to make His glory known. And most significantly and centrally to that glory being known is making the wisdom of the cross known in and through the local church. So Paul starts there in the beginning of Corinthians talking about the wisdom of God, which is foolishness to the world. The wisdom of God that that through the, the shamefully the shamefully crucified and condemned one, Jesus of Nazareth, through this one who went through and, and bore the curse of God on the cross, 
God ultimately conquers. That the crucified one is actually the conquering king. And through the shame and degradation of the cross, he overcame, overcame sin and death and is the conquering king. It is the wisdom of God. The cross, the gospel, is the wisdom of God. And God wants to make his wisdom known in and through the local church as he dwells with us to bless us, to make the gospel known, and to even make it known to the heavenlies, to all creation. He wants to work and show this wisdom that the world counts as foolishness in and through Christ. And so he's given gifts to his church. When Christ died and rose again, the Father approved of what he did, received him as the king. He ascended. He's seated at the right hand of God. And they've sent God, God the Father, through God the Son, have sent the Spirit to his church to give gifts to accomplish his purposes, to make this glorious gospel known. Not just in what we say, and as important as that is, but who we are, to show the fruit of the gospel in his people, to give gifts, to visit us. Why do I cover all this when we're talking about prophecy? Because God is so committed to those things. He is present with us to minister through the gift of New Testament prophecy. So when we come on Sundays, when we come to small group, when we gather with another believer or two, he is eager to work and to use us and to speak to us. That's what's going on in 1 Corinthians. That's the experience of this church. Even this church that is really a circus in many ways is experiencing the presence of God. That is the testimony of all of Scripture. To be the people of God is to be the people of His presence. And so when we come together, one of the first things we need to understand in order to practice prophecy is to understand that God is eager to use this gift in our midst. So we come eagerly. We come expectantly. We come to the Lord expecting that he's going to use us. Paul says here in in the beginning of this section we read, what then, brothers? Saying basically, guys, in light of all this, what's what's the scoop? He says, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or interpretation. Each one. Each one comes. And we learn in Scripture that each one has a gift, at least one gift from God. Your gift might not be New Testament prophecy. Now, don't use that as an excuse to say, well, it's not my gift and I'll never operate in it. Because Paul says earlier on, eagerly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. So apparently, we are to eagerly desire gifts that we might not even have, especially the gift of prophecy. Now, God is the one that dispenses it. We trust him with that. We can't, there's no guarantee we can't insist on it. But we should ask and anticipate that given what Paul says in the word of God, this should be a broadly dispensed gift. And yes, all different levels, for sure, but a broadly dispensed gift. So let each one, let each one come to our gathering on Sunday. Let each one come to small group. Let each one come to any gathering, uh, uh, essentially, of believers with something to give. I, I have a, an older brother in the Lord, I know, um, and I just love older faithful saints. We have much to learn from them. And this brother is, uh, was at our, uh, our former church before we were sent here. His name is Bob. Um, some of us know Bob. And, and uh, he, I remember this conversation vividly with him where he, uh, he was a, a brother who was faithful to come to the mic every Sunday, just about. I don't know if it was every Sunday. To come to the mic with something to share. 
remember talking to him about it, and with, with joy on his face, he said, every Sunday, I ask the Lord to give me something to give to his people. Every Sunday, I ask, God, is there something I, I can give to your people? He understood this, each one. He understood this aspect that God wants to use us. He wants to bless others through the use of the gifts. Now, Bob wasn't called to preach and pastor, but Bob was a faithful brother who God used to minister in in sometimes small ways. Now, I don't know all of how God used him, but I know that that was his orientation. And I believe that's what God wants us to have when we come to Sundays and when we come to small group. Deuteronomy 16.16 speaks to the people of Israel. And it was instruction to the people. The people would gather. The, the men were required, and certainly the women and, and families were encouraged to come three times a year. And it says this, Three times a year all your males shall appear before the Lord. I don't think we have this for overhead. Three times a year all your males shall appear before the Lord, your God, at the place that he will choose, at the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of Weeks, and at the Feast of Booths. They shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed. Interesting. They shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed. God expected that his people would gather with something to give. And in particular, in the context here, is an offering to the Lord. God gives gifts. He prospers us that we might give. He prospers us spiritually. He gives us spiritual gifts that we might not come empty-handed. Now, don't take that the wrong way that you're called to perform, His grace is sufficient. You might feel very small. You might feel like, Lord, what do I have to offer? I struggle throughout the week. And I come to Sunday to get because I need it. And yes, indeed, that's appropriate to get in the Lord's presence. But come to give as well. You will find that in the giving you get. And God will be gracious to give you things to give away, be it Sunday or care group. So do you come to care group looking to give something? You know, we can fall into this attitude that is so prevalent in our culture, our consumer mentality. We come to Sunday to get. I come to be served on Sunday. And the professionals up there, which there aren't any, um, are here to serve me. And I come to get. And I go to care group. And the professionals in care group, the leaders, they're responsible. And I just, I, they just lead me and care for me. And there is an aspect of that, of getting, that's appropriate. I, I, I don't want to lose that. But... God wants us to come to give. He wants us to come to care groups saying, how can I serve? How can I use my gifts? Why? Because he's gracious to give gifts for us to give them away. That's his nature. So E, the first step is to come eagerly and expectantly because our God is gracious and he will equip us and give us gifts of different types. Your gift of New Testament prophecy might just be that God works in you to remind you of great verses. And you just have verses come to mind, and you just share that. That's, that's wonderful, actually. That's probably one of the best ways to serve in that gift. Or it might just be this prayer request that he puts on your heart. Or your gift might be something else. Let us come eagerly, expectantly to give. E. D, next, discern the voice of the Holy Spirit. Discern the voice of the Holy Spirit. God dwells with us. The Holy Spirit dwells amongst us. And in this passage that Paul talks about, he mentions this idea of revelation. And and we talked in the first message about this, that God reveals himself, that the, the, the New Testament practice of prophecy starts with a revelation. 
It starts with God speaking to us. And that's really, that's really what it is. And, and beyond that, we start to articulate. We'll talk about that as we go through these different letters. But we need to start discerning God speaking to us. And I would submit that we are already hearing the Spirit of God speak to us. Now, uh, I won't take time to build all the necessary foundations. We did that in the previous messages. The revelation we receive, that's a subjective thing. It's not, it's not perfect because we're imperfect and what we speak is, is, is our words, not the Word of God. And the revelation that we receive and those impressions from the Lord have, have no comparison to the revelation here. So this gift is never, ever to do anything but point us to the absolute objective Word of God and the truths in it. So it's a different sort of revelation, but it nevertheless is not to be despised, but to be encouraged. God speaks to us, and that is our experience. It is the experience of every believer. It is normal Christianity to hear the Lord. That's how you came to know the Lord. As the gospel, the good news of Christ, was explained, God did something in you. That was perhaps different than those other times. And it doesn't mean that you had this amazing experience where you tingled from head to toes or you might have had that. It could just be there was just a silent sense that, yes, indeed, this is true. And this is true for me. To be a believer is to hear God say, this gospel, this good news of Christ, and dying for sins and rising again is for you. And as you respond to me, I receive you as my son or daughter as you repent and believe. That is the experience of all God's people, to hear the voice. Jesus said that his sheep hear his voice. So we hear God. And that's universal for every believer. It is also very common to not only hear God for our salvation, for ourselves, but to hear God speak to us for others as well. And that's where it starts to go from the usual revelation we all receive and we all receive regularly uh, I was just reading in John 16 this morning that the Spirit comes to, to convict uh, in, in regards to uh, sin, righteousness, and judgment, that the Spirit convicts us. And we have an ongoing experience of the Spirit speaking truths to our hearts, convicting us of sin, leading us to truth. That, that's normal Christianity. But we also commonly experience Him speaking to us for the sake of others, for the sake of situations and things He wants to do. That's where it starts to go into New Testament prophecy. When we have revelations that are related to ministering to others. And just think of it. I'm sure for many of us we've had these sort of experiences. Have you ever been at a prayer meeting? And you're praying. And maybe there's an outline in prayer. And you have some things to pray about. As you're praying though, you just have this strong sense to pray for something particular. I, I don't know. I just picked something out. Maybe you have a strong sense to pray for the teens of our church. You really feel like God wants us to pray. And you start praying for the teens of the church. And there's a burden that you feel as you pray. You recognize this is more than just my good idea. This is more than just what's logical and makes sense. There's something God's doing here. And you pray it, and then you talk to people afterwards, and they say something like, I'm so glad you prayed that. That was on my heart. I was just about to pray that myself. I've been thinking about that all week. Have you ever had that happen? Anybody had that happen? God does that. That's one example of how he speaks to us in ways that, it's in line with New Testament prophecy. How about this one? You're, you're driving in your car, and all of a sudden, someone's on your heart, someone in the church. And you haven't talked to them in a week or two or maybe more. And there's something just, there, just on your heart, and, and you don't know. Maybe, you have, maybe you're gifted to the point where you do know. Some people do. They get that sort of 
specificity in Revelation. I don't tend to get it. I get more general things like something's going on. Um, So something's going on. You have that sense. And so you pray for that person. You spend time praying. And then maybe you forget to call them. Think of it a day or two later. You call them. And you say, hey, just how are you doing? And they say, it's been a horrible week. Matter of fact, on Wednesday, such and such happens. And that was the same time, perhaps, or near, when you had that sense. You ever have that happen? That's revelation from God. That's God speaking for the purpose of caring for others. Or you're in, you're in care group, and you're worshiping, you're singing, and there's a verse that comes to mind. And, you, and you're thinking, should I share it? I'm not sure if it fits. I'm not sure. I mean, I, I don't, I've seen, you know, Pastor Paul or I've seen, you know, Mitch or somebody share this before, but, but you know, I, I can't do that. I can't share like those guys. And, but there is this verse, and so you kind of wrestle with it. It tumbles around in your mind and your heart. And you're like, oh, should I do it? Oh, no, no, I can't do it. And then at the end of worship, or, or no, as you go through worship, all of a sudden someone else shares perhaps the same verse that you were thinking of or a verse that's like it. Have you had that happen? That's the Lord, I believe, speaking to you so that he would have you share next time. God speaks to us. He, he speaks to us, and we are to discern his voice. We are to discern his voice. And when I say discern, I mean we are to recognize his voice. I'm going to talk about evaluating side of discerning in a minute. But we're to recognize him speaking to us. We're to recognize that it's regular and normal. And, and we are, as we understand biblical ways to evaluate it, we are uh, to employ the gift of New Testament prophecy as he speaks to us. We're to discern his voice. We're to recognize his voice. We're going to, to recognize it for what it is, too. And this is an important, this kind of fits in with evaluation, but uh, I just thought to mention it. We are to discern what he says and no more. Sometimes he'll speak something to us and the temptation is to add to it. So we get a picture or a verse and all of a sudden we start adding to it. I've, I've had this happen. I've seen it happen. So he might give a, a maybe he gives it a picture of a wandering sheep. And you get a picture of a wandering sheep. And uh, it's just one wandering sheep kind of off in the thickets. And and where we should just say, okay, that's all I got, picture of wandering sheep, and then pray about what to do with that, perhaps we start adding to it. Like, wandering sheep, I know what this means. God is going to come and bring every single wandering sheep from the greater Havel area to our church next Sunday. And so I need to go and share a prophetic word for the people of God to prepare for all the wandering sheep that are coming. Maybe not. Maybe it's just that there's one wandering sheep that Sunday that God wants you to speak to. And so recognize that revelation for what it is, don't add to it, and be content with that. So, so learning to discern, say, this is what I think the Lord's saying, and, and don't, not feeling like I've got to add to it, I've got to have more revelation than that. Sometimes uh, I get things that's a picture, and I don't know what to do with it. Uh, and sometimes, I, uh, another aspect too, sometimes I don't share, because everything that we feel like God speaks to us isn't necessarily for public consumption. And I've made mistakes in the past uh, when I... 20 years ago or so, and started practicing this gift, thinking every time I had a strong impression, I was supposed to say something. And you can do some damage with that uh, when you say it, because it's not necessarily meant for, for people. Sometimes they'll just like look at you, what are you talking about? It doesn't apply. And then you may find later on, a year or so, that that guy, in fact, did that. Uh, we aren't always to share. But to recognize, uh, recognize when he speaks to us, discern what he's saying, to recognize he is speaking. He has given me a picture. 
and then take some other steps. And we'll talk about what those steps are. Um, We're not to add to it. We're not to make it go beyond where it needs to go. So discerning God, discerning his voice, discerning the spirit of God revealing to us is this normal experience of Christianity, recognizing it as such, and then learning to recognize when those impressions are meant for others, learning to recognize that there's something stirring in me. I don't think it's just that I need to recognize I'm a wandering sheep at times, but that God has some wandering sheep here or a wandering sheep here who he wants to to speak to. So to discern, to recognize that, that's um, the second letter. D, and edify. Next is the letter I, and that is to invite evaluation. We are to invite evaluation before, during, and after. Wayne Grudem says, I believe that we are coming to a time when prophecy will be used beneficially much more often in our churches, and there will frequently be surprising accuracy in details as the Lord reveals many things to his children for building up the church. But an intensification of the gift of prophecy will make it all the more crucial for us not to be swept away in blind credulity, but to follow Scripture in the testing and use of prophecy. We are to weigh, Paul says in this section, let the prophet speak and then let others weigh what is said. Let others weigh what is said. It's not to be... Related to in a way where we just say, oh, yeah, yeah, that's got to be the word, the word of the Lord. We've got to weigh what is said. We have to consider it. And, and, and it needs to be on all levels. The, in 1 Corinthians 14, I believe it's the congregation who is weighing what is said. So we as a congregation, when a word is said, we are all to weigh what is said. Is this of the, of the Lord? We are to weigh what, it, what is said personally as well. Before we even share, we're to weigh it and evaluate it. We as a church on Sundays, in order to provide for order and peace in our meeting, we, we govern uh, our, the sharing mic. We have a leader. Govern might not sound like a good word to you, but it's meant to be a good thing. We have a leader who's at the sharing mic to help you weigh it as well. So in a context like this, a large public context, that's part of the weighing, is sharing it with others, letting them weigh it ahead of time, that it might serve best. In a small group, there's a, it's a little different. The group will weigh that, uh, weigh the word as well. So we're to weigh it, we're to evaluate it, we're to consider it, the word and the revelation, whether it is scriptural. So a question to ask, first question is, is it scriptural? Is it scriptural? So I get a picture of a wandering sheep. Well, that's a scriptural theme, it's a scriptural idea, a scriptural truth, so there's something there I could say, I, I think that's valid. In particular, when I say, is it scriptural, does it have, does it have the truth of Christ? as the focal point. You see, the scriptures are not just like a bunch of truths that God put together and just kind of stuck in this book to give to us. Um, These are just, you know, random truths from God's mind. Here's the book. Um, So when we say, is it scriptural, there are themes in the Bible that are important. And the most important theme, the central theme, the central focus of the Bible is Christ himself. When he was resurrected and he was walking on the road to Emmaus with the two Uh, the the two disciples who were both amazed and perplexed, he taught them, and it says that he began began to teach them about what the Word of God said about himself from Moses throughout the Old Testament. He basically said, guys, let me start to tell you 
what the scriptures teach about me. And he started in the very beginning in Genesis and went through. The, the major theme of the, the scriptures is Christ himself. Christ living, crucified, risen, reigning, returning. That's the central theme. So when we get a word, get a sense of revelation, we, we need to ask, is this Christ's focus? Does this take into account the truth of the gospel? That's a great way to evaluate it, both in the revelation we receive, and sometimes it's hard to know if you have a picture of somebody and it's a fuzzy thing. Uh, you know, you may not, I don't know, I see somebody and they seem upset. Well, you know, is that scriptural? Well, yes, it can be. It may have an application, and, and we'll talk about where to go with it. But also in the words we speak and how we formulate the communication of that. Is it scriptural? Is Christ at the center? Is it biblically accurate? Now, it doesn't mean that when we get some word or sense of a scripture or something or, or a revelation that we just kind of like go through it and we, you know, we, with a fine-tooth comb and think and think through it and, and you know, oh, is, is every aspect of what I'm thinking perfect and perfectly in line with scripture and perfectly Christ-centered? No, it doesn't mean that. Uh, and you know what? It's, it's not going to ever be true for you. But, but what it means is, bottom line, is the sense of this scriptural, is the sense of this christ focus. Is the bottom line that? Yeah, there may be parts that I'm not sure about, but is it overall about Christ? Is it scripturally true? So those are ways we weigh the Word. Those are ways that we weigh New Testament prophecy in light of Scripture, in light of Christ, in light of these truths. And also we weigh it to see if it's in line with the teaching on New Testament prophecy. It says here that that prophecy is meant for upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. That prophecy is meant to build up, to encourage, and to console. So, if we get a sense and a sense of what to say, it should be encouraging, upbuilding, and consoling. So if we get a word, a sense of a word, and and stuff that's confusing or condemning, we might just want to keep that one to ourselves. And not share it. Because it's not in line. Or perhaps we need to learn the truth of Scripture about New Testament prophecy and not interpret that impression in a way that's condemning or confusing. But ask the Lord, Lord, what does this mean? How can I serve? In light of the truth about New Testament prophecy, what does this picture mean of this wandering sheep? What do you want to say? I have this picture. Lord, what do you want to say here? What does it mean? Rather than thinking, oh, wandering sheep, I'm supposed to speak condemnation on all those sheep that are wandering. You shouldn't be wandering, you fools, you stupid idiots. What have you done this week? That wouldn't be in line with New Testament prophecy. But recognizing the scriptural truth that's behind it, its intent, how it's to function. And to also be suspicious of ourselves at times. There's a few situations where you need to be careful with a sense of something to share. And, and I, I recognize for some of us, this is probably too much information. Some of us are just starting out. And, and I don't want you to feel overwhelmed like, oh, man, there's all these things to think about. I don't even, I want to even go near this. But let's trust the Lord for that. Some of you experience this regularly already, and I want to serve you as well, thinking through how to evaluate, how to, how to weigh these words in a way that will be helpful. So there needs to be some areas where we're suspicious. We always need to be suspicious of ourselves, by the way. Um, we are sinners. Yes, God is in us. Grace is at work. But we're still sinners. And we're going to be tempted. So that's why we weigh it. That's why we come to others. We should welcome the weighing too. Part of us thinks, you know, I I mean, if it means weighing, just forget it. 
just forget it. You know, I'm not going to go up to Pastor Paul and have, have him make me feel like a dope because I came forward and everybody saw me turn around and go back and sit back down. I'm not going to do that. Um, I don't think that's a, a godly perspective. Our, our perspective should be, Lord, I want to serve. And if it's not for today, that's fine. And, I, and it should be, Lord, I'm glad to evaluate it myself, to have someone else evaluate it and have the congregation evaluate it because I don't trust myself and I don't want to do any harm to God's people. So I should be glad to evaluate. I should be glad to have it evaluated, that it might serve better. And so there's areas that we want to be suspicious of ourselves in. If you get a word for somebody who you have a bad attitude towards, you probably don't want to say anything. You don't want to share that. So, you know, if you get a word, that person who, who has just rubbed you the wrong way, you know, and you get a word, a sense of like, okay, I feel like God really wants to grow that person in graciousness. Yeah, that's it. And so I have a word. The Lord says to you, brother, you must be more gracious and consider others and stop being a pain in the neck. I mean, that's, that's probably not a good thing. You don't want to trust yourself. There's other situations too. And, and it doesn't mean that we're so introspective that we're paralyzed. But we just do, do want to, to consider consider uh, ourselves and, and our unreliability. So if you have a word on a Sunday, uh, after you just gave a big gift to the building fund, you get a word on Sunday that the church should bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, maybe you shouldn't be sharing that that Sunday because maybe for you what's going on is, hey, I feel good about myself, and now I'm going to tell everybody else they need to give as well. Um, just, to, just to take ourselves into consideration and, and be rightly suspicious and guard the church from, from things that aren't going to serve. Does that make sense? I, I, I hope that's helpful. And I, hope, I don't want it to paralyze you, um, but I do want us to have appropriate suspicion of our words, that, that this gift might function. For this gift is not authoritative at all. This is meant to come alongside. This gift is meant to come alongside and to encourage and to comfort and to console. Uh, it, it's not meant to be authoritative. And, it, and it's, it, it's fallible. It's fallible in the reception. It's fallible in the speaking. It is not the very Word of God at all. And so we must put it in its proper place. But we also must make sure that we use it. Prophetic words are not to be used for governing or guidance. They're not to be used for governing or guidance, at least primarily. Certainly not for governing. In the, in the, in the New Testament, God governs first by His Word. The very Word of God. He governs by this. Secondly, he, he uses godly leaders who qualify according to this Word to discern doctrine and truth in this Word and shepherd His people, both elders and deacons. That's how He governs the church, not through prophetic words. matter of fact, Paul, when he gets a prophetic word on his way to Jerusalem, two or three times gets words saying, don't go to Jerusalem. Both, uh, I think it's in, when he's in uh, Sidon and then Agabus later, he basically says, I'm going. I'm not, I'm not, you know, yeah, thanks for the word, brother. I'm going. He ignores the, the, the exhortation. And, and actually, it's explicit, I believe, in this, when he's in Tyre or Sidon, uh, where they say, you know, don't go to Jerusalem. He says, I'm going. Uh, so it is not to govern. It's to come alongside. It's to, it's to come alongside as a gift that functions alongside these other gifts. And it's not to, not to provide guidance. It's the Word of God, the truth of God guides us. Yes, prophetic words can come alongside and assist in guidance. I don't mean to say that's not the case. But we should not do something based on a prophetic word or a sense apart from Scripture 
and the, and the authorities that God's given us and the wisdom he gives us and the circumstances that he works around us. And then, yes, maybe this sense and a prophetic word can come alongside. Dave Harvey says, New Testament prophecy is not primarily for guidance. It is for strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. Doctrine taught by elders is the primary source of guidance. And Wayne Grudem says, The sound teaching of the word, not prophecy, should be the primary source of guidance in the church. We are to invite evaluation. We are to recognize the context that we're speaking to as well. So there's other gifts. There's other things going on in people's lives. And at times God will give us personal prophetic words. Now, Sunday is not the time for personal prophetic words at the mic. So I don't call anyone out on a Sunday. You know, Eddie, I've got a personal word for you right now. I'm going to say it in front of everybody. We don't do that. Um, there's a, but there can be a place where I'm with Eddie one-on-one or in a very small group. God might give me something. Uh, there's times when we pray for folks. God gives personal words. And, and that's appropriate. But when we give those words, we need to be especially careful that we recognize context. We don't have authority over that person's life. And this word is our best attempt to understand God. So we submit it humbly and we recognize the context that this person has other authorities in their life. They have a family, perhaps, or under someone in a family, or maybe they're the head of a household. They're under a, a pastor. They're under other governing authorities. And God's at work in their life doing things. And we're just this person who comes along and one little moment in time shares something. We must recognize I'm nothing really compared to all that God's doing to guide and direct this person. So, yes, yeah, share the word indeed, and that might be a great encouragement to them, but recognize the context. Recognize the context. Invite that sort of evaluation of our own heart and motive that this, there's a context here. Again, when I first started operating this gifts, I was quick to dispense big words to people, and I was slow to recognize, wait a second. I mean, they, there's a lot the Lord wants to do in their life. And, and there's those primary means of grace, of the word and prayer and the fellowship of the church that's in their life. Who am I to come in and tell them what's going to happen two years from now or something like that? So we want to come recognizing those contexts, weighing the words. F, edify, F, find scriptures and words to communicate the impression. So God gives us the revelation. We see that in in 1 Corinthians 14, a revelation comes. A revelation, uh, we, we, we come with a revelation, and then even in church, as one person's sharing, a revelation can come to another prophetic person. So the revelation comes, but then that person has to speak what that revelation is. So we have to formulate, we have to formulate into words what that impression is. So if I see the wandering sheep, I mean, I can just say, I see a wandering sheep, and I just think God wants to do something with wandering sheep, and that might be helpful, but it might be more helpful if I ask the Lord, Lord, would you give me a way to communicate this? Would you give me scriptures that attach to this? Because ultimately, the, the, the point of these prophetic words is to point us to the Word of God, the, the sure Word of God. Prophetic ministry is subjective. It's, we're involved in it. And it's not, it's not infallible. It's very fallible. And so we don't want to ground people in that sort of thing. I don't want us ever to practice this gift in a way where we ground people in the gift because it's imperfect and it's not meant to do that. So, so I ask, when I get an impression, Lord, is there a scriptural truth that you want to emphasize here? And I know this is a practice of many. God, give me a scripture. Is there something, some scriptural truth here you want to bring me to? And God will often bring to mind something because I want to ground people in the objective word of God, not the subjective prophetic word. 
but the objective word. And, and, and biblically, when prophecy works right, it grounds us in the objective. It grounds us in Christ. It grounds us in Scripture. So as we get something, ask the Lord, Lord, is there a Scripture? Is there a passage in the Bible? Get out your index at the back of your Bible if you have to and start looking through. Okay, sheep, sheep, wandering sheep. Anything on wandering sheep? Okay, wandering sheep. Oh, just look at the verses. Maybe the Lord would highlight one of those verses to you. So find Scripture to share. And then look for words to communicate that word. Look for words to communicate and use your own words. Don't lapse into the King James English when you go to share. You speak normally, you know, to people, hey, how are you doing? Good to see you today. And then you get up front, thou must look upon thy brethren. That's not your words. You chose to use King James. I love King James English, but it's really weird in our culture to speak in King James English. So please don't do it. Uh, choose your own words. So instead of thy, thou must looketh upon thine brethren, just say, consider your brothers and sisters. Like you might say on your own. Use your own words. And, and you can speak in the third person. You don't have to say, you don't have to speak for God. There are times when he may give a prophetic word and a sense of what to say that's clear and you need to say, I believe the Lord would say, my children, I love you. Trust me. Don't faint. Something like that. But you can just say, I, I, I think the Lord would say that he really loves us. And he wants us to trust him and not faint. Because those are your words. The sense is maybe that God wants us to trust him. And you put it in your words. And don't say, thus saith the Lord, because thus saith you, not the Lord. You don't know if that's the Lord's words, and it probably most likely isn't. Uh, this, we know this is the word. This is thus saith the Lord. And the Old Testament prophets said, thus saith the Lord. It was the, the, the very word of God, but it's not now. So don't say it. Just say, I think the Lord would say, and then share that. So formulate words, find scriptures, and communicate as best you can, and trust God for that. I know it's tempting sometimes when we share to think, you oh, know, that just didn't sound too good. Maybe if I used King James, you know, it would have really worked. But, uh, but just, you know, consider your brother and brethren, you know, consider your brothers and sisters. This didn't sound all that great. Well, trust the Lord. Don't trust your words. Trust the Lord. We can have a temptation to trust our words. If I can just say it just right, if I can say it enough times, maybe I'll just say, consider your brothers and sisters ten times. And then it will have its hold on people. Now, trust the Lord with our words, with our best attempt at formulation. If the band could come up as we conclude with the why. As we do this, finally, the why is yield it all to God. Yield it all to God. This is a gift from Him. His grace is at work. He gives us this gift. He gives us this gift for the good of others. He gives us this gift for His glory. It's about Him, not me. And yield it to the Lord before, during, and after. So before, the temptation can be like, oh, if I can't get this right, I'm not going up there. That's not the right attitude. That's an attitude I have sometimes. Trust the Lord to use you. Even if you get up and it's kind of not clear, God will still use you. Yield it to Him. Give it to Him. He gives a gift to share. So trust Him in it. Yeah, take baby steps. Start maybe in care group and small group before you come up on a Sunday. That's a good idea. Probably your first time ever doing this. Uh, Sunday might not be the best context for that. Small group or, or small, small, small groups of some sort would be a good step. But as you do it, yield it to him. Lord, this is a gift from you. This is a gift 
for your people. I want to give it to you. As you share it, yield it to him. Oh, it's so tempting to be self-conscious. It's so tempting to to have a focus on ourselves. And if you do that, I know that this happens with me. When I get self-conscious, you know what happens? I get self-conscious. I start thinking about myself and what I'm saying. And I've had moments in my life when I've been self-conscious and and, and it just, I I get paralyzed and I can't speak and and it just doesn't work. And I learned, I used to speak a lot before I was a pastor. As an engineer, I used to speak a lot. And I learned before, every time I spoke publicly, to, to ask the Lord, help me, Lord, to think about them, not me. Help me to think about the people I'm talking to. I want to help them do their jobs better as engineers. Help me to focus on them, not me. That helped tremendously. I, I uh, am naturally shy, actually, um, and I uh, was tremendously shy when I was, like, 12. Uh, and so I have that propensity, believe it or not, to get self-focused and to kind of go inward. And I have to ask the Lord, help me. Think about others. So yield it to him, think about others, and then yield the results to him. Let him be the one that uses your gift or not. And be glad that he used you, and be glad that he's pleased with faithfulness. He's not necessarily looking for, he's not looking for perfection in you. He's not looking for you to be this world-renowned prophetic person who gets up there and, and there's great revivals that break out. He just wants you to be faithful with the gifts he gives. He's pleased with that. So yield it to him. Get your eyes on him. And he will use you as you do that. So just a way to remember how to walk, walk in this gift, E-D-I-F-Y, edify, eagerly, expectantly serve, discern the Spirit's voice, invite, evaluation, find scriptures and appropriate words, and yield to God. And may God use us in this gift for our good and his glory as we learn to walk in these things. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are so gracious to us and so faithful that you speak to us. Lord, how we treasure your word, how we treasure what you've spoken to us in your word, how we treasure your active voice, highlighting truths, drawing us to the scriptures, reminding us of Christ. And Lord, would you teach us how to use this gift of New Testament prophecy, that it might be something that we experience in a way that's biblical, in a way that builds us up, encourages, consoles, in a way that glorifies your name in and through this church, we pray in Christ's name.